Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode 94 and is being recorded on March 9th, 2019. Today's topic, Spectral Scan Discovery, Season 2, Episode 8. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This podcast contains spoilers for Discovery Season 2, Episode 8, If Memory Serves. I'm Aaron Gallo. I'm Eric Berry. And I'm Eric Dewey. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention this podcast for 10% off of your order. How's it going, gentlemen? I'm doing okay. Being very glad to uh, be talking Trek with you guys again. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm running on no sleep. But uh, <laughs> what's keeping me going is coffee and talking about Star Trek Discovery, because this episode was freaking epic. It was, it was a, pretty good. It was a wonderful oh episode. Oh, my God. You need to stop, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, I, I'm surprised at the number of dislikes that you had for this episode, Aaron. I really am. But I want to discuss it, because that's, that's what this is all about, is discussing the different uh, takes on the episode, so I want to I want to jump into ones. it. <laughs> so, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, even if it's wrong. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> let's get into the news. Santiago Cabrera and Michelle Hurd have been cast as series regulars on the upcoming and still untitled Picard series. Is there okay. really any doubt at this point that it's just going to be called Picard? I mean. Really? Uh, I mean, what was, else are they going to call it? There is Star Trek Destiny floating out there. But the, wasn't I that a series that of books? Yeah, but who cares? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but it, would they reuse it one, that? It was one of the trademarks that CBS filed for. Yeah. So I hope they don't go with that. The haters already call Discovery STD. <laughs> and if they don't like God. the art series, they're just going to do the same thing. So no, I hope- STP is a gas station, so... Oh. <laughs> so, or dim it used to be, or a tire it's, brand. It's a idea. it's a brand of like uh, fuel additives and and such yeah. for for cars. Yeah, STP um, motor oil company. So but what I don't, are they gonna, what I don't know if it's it? going to be called Star Trek Picard. I think it's just, just going to be called Picard. Like obviously it'll be Star Trek branded, but I don't think the uh, my guess, and I'm just you know I I have no knowledge behind the scenes. My guess is that it's just going to be titled Picard in the end. It could be like. Picard, an official Star Trek series. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever watched Heroes. Yes. Back yeah. in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Diego uh, Cabrera played uh, Isaac, the painter, in Heroes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know him. And he just recently led a, a CBS series that, that was canceled called uh, Salvation, only okay. a couple years ago. Okay. Yeah. So... I'm actually very excited for this casting. I heard some theory like going around. It's it's something I read from I don't know where, but someone was saying like if you made him bald, he might be a good like younger Picard or really? something. Hmm. See, I don't Picard when he was young had hair. I know, but then Nemesis went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about Nemesis. <laughs> We're talking about good Star Trek right now, so oh. let's. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate Nemesis. I just don't yeah. like it very much. 
Well, I mean, it's the catalyst for the series, I believe. So, yeah. And then uh, Michelle Hurd's been on a bunch of stuff. She's been on Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Uh, she was part of the Lethal Weapon reboot, Ash versus the Evil Dead. So she's got like a long history herself. Yeah, I know. I've uh, heard the name. I, I can't picture. I'd have to look her up and I'd probably instantly. Oh, yeah, her. Yeah, I know. I've heard the name before. So cool. But, but um, we're getting casting like it's it's moving. This is exciting. Um, it is. Oh, man. I heard that they were reportedly going to start filming next month. I heard that, too. That would be awesome because that would mean it's usually about a year between the start of filming and when we get the first episode, typically somewhere in that range. So the quicker they get on it, the quicker we get Picard. Especially if they want to make 2019. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they're if they're actually looking for a release this year, they're going to have to get filming quick. Excited, can't wait, uh, cannot wait. So my favorite part of the show, would you buy it, gentlemen? Oh, hell yeah. I got to find a way to afford this, but I definitely want one of these for sure. I have to say no, but only because of the price point. I cannot justify spending that much uh, on this particular type of item, but I would absolutely love to have one. My problem is that my odd body size, it's hard to find items of this type that fit me well. And the, well, the they, fact they they do custom uh, measurements. I know when they were because uh, I like went all on their site when I saw this in the show notes. It seems like they fit larger guys like me and and other stuff. But they they do. I mean, they're like a full they're like a full customized. You give them your measurements. They show you how to measure and it's hmm. essentially tailored to okay. you. And so I saw I saw much larger sizes. I saw really small sizes. They have a, a wide range uh, of sizing. So don't let, you know, very attractive models that they got on their site <laughs> fool you. But but they did do a good job on their site to show, especially for the female uh, jackets as well, like a wide range of, of body types. So, right. I, I mean, they fully customize it. And for that price you better be damn sure that it's tailored because they make these to order, okay. which is fantastic. That explains the price. You, you might be bringing me around to, to change my answer <laughs> here, but it's still, Oh, sure. The, sure. the, price, no, point I, I get is, it. the price point is out there for sure. Um, <laughs> I would echo some of your sentiment. The price point is fairly high and there's only one style of this that I would purchase. What we're talking about is the Starfleet, 2256 denim jackets they cost 330 dollars that's a pre-order that ships may 1st and that's by volante design yes volante uh so it has a badge back pocket to hold the magnet that makes putting on and taking off the badge quick and stealthy which is i think that's really cool. Yeah, so they have a video of that on their site because they also – and by the way, this is an officially licensed product by CBS. They actually worked with Volante Design to license these. Yeah, I found and, it on the Star Trek website, the official one. Oh, nice. And they also sell on their site the QMX uh, metallic badges. Yeah, uh, they have a Section 31 version that looks sharp 
That, yeah. that is the one that I would get if I was going to get one. Nice. I, my only issue with that, I love the, the black color scheme of it, but when we've seen Section 31 wearing normal uniforms, they're not wearing black uniforms. They're wearing the normal uniforms. Right. They just have the black badges. So it's like, yeah, it looks cool, but if I'm going to spend that much money on something from the show, I want it to mm-hmm. be something that is seen on the show. So I would go with the with the blue one, I think, because... Well, I mean, the uh, the denim isn't really Starfleet issue. Well, I, um. yeah, I know. That, that's the <laughs> other thing that kind of leads me away from, you know, possibly purchasing this, is that it's a denim jacket. You know, if this were a leather jacket, it, it would make more sense for the price point. But... If it's good quality denim, denim can be mm-hmm. a good yeah, – yeah. I, I want to know if it's – you know, I, I need to go in and look at the details a little more closely before, right. obviously, I make any formal decisions. But, yeah, it looks cool as heck. Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things with, with those badges, trying to keep them on. Yeah, the magnets can be fairly strong, but a lot of times if you try to put them on something – like I have mm-hmm. uh, one of the TNG-style hoodie sweatshirts. And mm. I have the the TNG style QMX badge, and I can put it on there, and it stays on fine as long as I don't move too much. But the the thickness of the sweatshirt is just enough that if I bump it the wrong way, it will dislodge the magnet from the badge. Mm. So the idea that this has a pocket where there's something you know thinner between the the magnet and the badge part, and the fact that the backing part stays in the jacket even when you don't have the front part of the badge on that's really cool i would probably go with the with the blue and silver version i think myself and then maybe get the section 31 badge to go on it (laughs) i'd probably actually uh, end up getting a couple of different you know if i had if i'm spending the money on the jacket i'd probably go ahead and get a few different badges so you know depending on my mood that day what am i going to be today (laughs) i think i'll be captain today boop (laughs) so typically i don't like contrasting stitching on Mm. items which is why i didn't like the next generation jackets that they had sure it it works better with the discovery uniforms but i still don't like it that much but i like the section 31 one because it's all you know black (laughs) but anyway just emo it it still looks pretty sharp Indeed, indeed why don't we jump into the episode here with a quick summary spock and burnham head to talos 4 where the process of healing spock forces the siblings to confront their troubled past stamets desperately tries to reconnect with an increasingly disconnected Hugh, while Tyler struggles to shed the crew's suspicion of him due to his past as Voke. He's not doing a very good job of it. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is true. Okay. Holy crap. The the previously on Star Trek was something I was not expecting Mm -hmm. at all. But I'm glad they did it because I don't know how many people remember the pilot. And all those little details, I think they did a good cut of that to reinforce the story points in this episode. I even like that they show the blue flowers to look like, hey, look at what we updated. (laughs) Uh, But I just I love that whole retro feel. And just to hear the original series theme, I mean, it was great. And the transition from Jeffrey Hunter to Anson Mount, both of their pikes, that really reinforced like not only how much they they look similar, I, I kind of like that they didn't shy away from the original sh- series uh, being you know over fifty years old. Yeah, right. no, I completely agree. That was 
the best previously on we've seen this season and it was just uh yeah it gave me goosebumps when it flashed up it's all previously on star trek and had the the old font and everything mm-hmm. and the music was going i was like whoa okay they're doing it and then when they they did the whole thing you get these little clips from the cage just absolutely brilliant just beautiful and like you said that transition from the old pike to the new pike not only was it a good transition but it was impactful like mm-hmm. like right then right at the very beginning of the episode you were already emotionally impacted <laughs> like it had you sucked in right from the very beginning just that look on his face as cuz you imagine him remembering that mm-hmm. and that's what's mm-hmm. in his mind oh just great (laughs) it was great it was great i think it's funny that we said last week we preferred how they did the episode recap with burnham's log yeah and then they have this you're like oh never mind i like this you can keep doing this this is pretty cool well i don't know that this would work again though you know this is this is a kind of a one-off it was perfect for this episode but if they tried to do this every episode it would get tiring pretty quick so i I like that they're switching it up i don't mean like going back and digging up clips from the original series or anything like that. I, I just mean like last time on Star Trek Discovery and having the how they did it right. prior. What I what I like is that they're mixing it up. They're not doing the same thing week after week. You know, one week we get a previously on Discovery and it shows clips from the season mm-hmm. and sometimes even things from season one. And then the next week we get Burnham's log. And then the next week we get, you know, clips of the cage and so you know maybe next week it's back to a regularly previous song maybe next week we get a, a captain's log or something like that who knows i but i like that they're mixing it up we're not getting the same thing every single time but yeah i i like that they they mix it up like that they've they've really been experimenting yeah it's just it's super fantastic i i, I really enjoy it true that next up i'm glad they said that travel to the Talos system was prohibited. But they didn't mention General Order 7. Yes, so it's so interesting. I, I don't think we've seen the last of the Talosians. I agree. Mm, that could be interesting. I'm glad that we finally have Hugh and uh, we're exploring his struggle. Uh-huh. I think I was thrown off guard originally when they're just getting to his quarters for the first time but then i was like he's probably been in sickbay the entire time and was just discharged yeah i think you know someone coming back from the freaking dead um (laughs) (laughs) requires quite a bit of testing especially i could see them being fearful of having maybe like another voke type situation yeah with you because I mean, he's coming from like another dimension in a new body and they don't even understand it. So I I could see them doing a few days worth of tests and, you know, maybe quarantining him to just for the crew safety as well. I was wrong. I had said in a prediction that he would forgive Ash and it would be very emotional, (laughs) but that's not what happened. Nope. That scene in. Holy. Um, I was like, oh, my God, this is the best scene in the entire show up until that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, up, up until that point. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this scene is it was so intense. The emotion felt genuine. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll speak on that further later for sure. And like, man, it was just all up in Tyler's face and, you know, just wouldn't let it go and trying to invoke uh, Voke. Invoke Voke. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I don't have a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. A lot of thrown food in this episode from you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
think it's highly wasteful of him. Um, <laughs> yeah. But God, this was just heartbreaking between oh. Stamets and Colber. Oh, yeah. Like I was just an, a wreck. <laughs> I just, it's, it sucks, but you can see both. You can see both sides of it. Stamets is so happy. And like he said, you know, I'm th- let's treat this like what it is. It's a miracle. But on the other side, there's this, you know, disconnect between his memories, even his favorite food. There was nothing like an emotional connection. He's like, yeah, I know I like this. I have memories of it, but I'm, I'm a new person. Yeah. I like what he specifically said, you know, Stamets says, it's your favorite. And Hugh says, yes, I have that memory. And just the way he said it and the way it was worded was just like, okay, you know, you get that he is, you you feel that disconnect. And I think even just that one line really was the best way they could describe what he's going through right now. He has all these memories, but they are not emotionally connected to him. Yeah, and I liked also during that fight scene with Tyler and and Hugh. Hugh goes, I don't even know who I am anymore. And Ash goes, who do you think you're talking to? Yeah. Oh, brilliant writing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Uh, just Now, here's the thing. I don't think you're actually wrong that Hugh is going to forgive Ash eventually. He hasn't yet, and I didn't think it was going to come instantly. I think that he will still eventually. I think as the story progresses, and I, I believe, I hope that even though we're seeing the struggle, that Hugh does eventually reconnect with his memories and emotions. And I think he is going to come to a point where he forgives Ash. Now, what, I don't think they're going to become best buds or anything, but I think that the forgiveness will happen. If for nothing else, he's going to forgive him so that he can free himself of that anger. He's not mm-hmm. going to do it for Tyler's sake. He's not going to forgive him to give Tyler that absolution. And I definitely appreciate that. It's not uh, like in, in an episodic type of series the next week they would be like, oh, hey, what's going on? You know, <laughs> let's hold hands and skip through a meadow. I, I appreciate that it's realistic. I don't want to say real life because, you know, it's. <laughs> I must have you know, missed this, that this episode fantasy. of Trek. When were, when were they holding hands and skipping through a meadow? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, in the holodeck or something, right? <laughs> I'm sure that's happened at least once in Star Trek. Uh, probably in, uh, in the, well, in the cage, they're. On Earth. Yeah, they were having a picnic. Yeah. And a picnic, yeah. They might have progressed to skipping in the meadow at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have Pike reprimanding Saru for allowing the fight between Cobra and Tyler to happen. I I agree with Saru's thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, this needed to happen. But I agree with Pike because, you know, you shouldn't just let two officers go at it. That's not yeah, that whole scene was played hilariously. Like, it was serious, but I just, I love their back and forth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pike was very much like, hey, don't let, you know, don't let this happen again. But he almost had like a smirk in his face. Like, I totally get it through. It, it was, it was just really well done. I got the sense from that scene that Pike might have made the same decision had he been there. Like he would have been struggling. I feel like Pike understood that it was a hard choice. Like at that moment, 
you know that these two need to confront each other, but is a fight in the mess hall the right time and place for it? Maybe not, but can you schedule that kind of thing? No, you can't. Mm-hmm. It's It has to happen naturally. What I liked about that scene was Saru allowed it to happen, kept everybody back, but he was always there close enough and watching that you knew he could step in and stop it if he needed to. You know he's got the strength to pull them apart and stop them from any serious damage being happening. And you see a couple of times, like when Tyler picked up Comer and put him on the table, like Saru like kind of stepped forward slightly, like, okay, if this gets, if he does anything else, I'm going to have to step in. But then Tyler backed off at that point because Tyler was in defense mode that entire fight. I mean, you know, Tyler could, right. could, you know, Culber had some moves for a doctor. That's for sure. Like he can, he can fight, but. And he also picked up a chair and was beating him with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> he was I, angry. I think Tyler showed amazing restraint and that goes to the growth of his character as yes. well. I think he understood like Culber needs to get this out. And he was just kind of like, okay, I'll do what I need to do to prevent myself from any serious damage. But I'm not going to, you know, try to win this fight either. He was always in just kind of a defense mode. Right. And speaking of Tyler, it's pretty messed up that Arium, like, is most definitely framing him. And I Oh, yeah. There's there's no doubt. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate that Pike doesn't necessarily believe Tyler is doing it knowingly and Mm kind of thinks maybe Section 31 has brainwashed him. And kind of like uh, like he, Pike was, you know, informed of what happened to Tyler and Voke as a sleeper agent. And, and, and you're right, bringing that up again, well, maybe Section 31 is taking advantage of that weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely so, agree that Tyler is being framed by Arium for the transmissions, for sure. I'm not 100% sold on the other thing, though, and that'll speak. I have uh, unanswered questions on that one, actually, um, so we'll we'll get there. But, uh, yeah, you know, Arium obviously used his codes to send this. We, we know that she's the one doing stuff. Obviously, with the next time on, uh, we see that she goes absolutely uh, bad <laughs> insane. So, obviously, there's something going on there. But I still have another question about that we'll get to later. Cool. I appreciate the arc that this is creating between the cage and the menagerie. Mm-hmm. That was well done, especially the scenes with Vina and Pike. I think that kind of, you know, puts the nail in the coffin of why Spock yeah. brings Pike to Talos for in the menagerie. And finally, I appreciate the new perspective of time Spock has, and I think foreshadows his ability to make calculations for uh, the slingshot effect uh, oh. in the next generation, uh, not next generation, in the, the movies, series. the voyage home. Yeah, the voyage home and in episodes of the original series. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, assignment yes, it, Earth. Assignment Earth. Earth. So that that's my likes. All right. A, g- a good hefty wait, list uh, for somebody who said it was just OK. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you forgot to mention Giorgio. Did I? Oh, yeah. So Giorgio is gaining favor with control. And I don't think Leland is too happy about it. Mm-mm, not one little bit. <laughs> so I, I like that. And I obviously foreshadowing the Section 31 series. Hopefully with Giorgio in control of Section 31, I hope it that is the catalyst that makes it a secret organization. 
mm-hmm. unlike it is now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That like like we talked about on previous episodes, Section Thirty One is just too well known right now for what we've seen in the future. So I think that at some point we're going to see it quote unquote disbanded, but really it's just going to actually go underground and become the actual clandestine organization that we see in future series. Mm-hmm. Which is odd considering that in even in Enterprise, it was uh-huh. pretty secret. Yeah. So I think something changed, and oh, so good. Um, I have a few more likes if oh. you're done. Yes, sir. So I like that we also see the kind of like the upper echelon of uh, Starfleet again with the admirals because we've seen I, I forget their names but they've been mentioned before but the andorian and tellerite we've definitely seen before yeah love that i love that all four founding members uh, of the federation were represented that was fantastic i like that they're introducing control which was the concept um that started in the books a couple years ago by David Mack. Mm. So I like that they're bringing part of the fiction of the books into canon. Kind of makes sense if you have this big organization that is dealing with intelligence to have some form of automation and threat analysis. So it'll be interesting to see like how control fits into all of this, because I mean, from our perspective, we know it's, and our official intelligence, I think, you know, um, Giorgio mentions it, but at the same time, control still kind of sounds like, even if you didn't know that it was an artificial intelligence, it sounds like, like another higher organization or something or, right. or subdivision of section 31. So I really, I really like where that's going. They're kind of laying the seeds for like another layer to this season. Uh, very much feels like a Section 31 versus Starfleet uh, layer to this season, which I really like. I think, obviously, Leland's a jerk, but <laughs> I like the actor. I mm-hmm. like his struggle because I can just see him unleashing on Giorgio or finding a way to bring her down, too. I think she's been having a little bit too many wins lately against him. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where that uh, story arc goes but uh, what i really liked in this episode when they were like playing this cat and mouse game with the warp that effect totally reminded me of into darkness like when they were chasing each other in warp oh yeah like like the enterprise and the vengeance with discovery in the section 31 ship that one shot i really love i mean discovery is such great production values and the CGI, it really feels like I'm watching a Star Trek movie every week. I really appreciate the work that goes on behind the scenes, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I really liked the warp effect of the shuttle, where it had that like streaming line. I don't know what it was traveling through, but there was like, right. just that blue trail behind it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Beautiful, gorgeous effect shots when they arrive at Talos, and it looks like a black hole. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I mean, man. I... I instantly knew that was a uh, an, an illusion. Teresa was kind of like, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> and then when it burst, it was like, "Oh, okay." But to to for them to show really showcase the Telosian power, which you know we saw in the cage, but they really enhance that for this episode. Yeah, they really make you feel how much power. Like in the cage, they obviously had a lot of power, and it was it wasn't until like 
really near the end of the episode where you really get a get a grip on the scope of their power the fact mm-hmm. that they can affect multiple minds all at once you know when they see the hill that they had destroyed but they had thought that their phasers were having no effect on it the entire time and they're like we we did break through and they just kept us from seeing it we saw the scope of their power there but because it was like right at the end and almost a throwaway yeah. you didn't really understand that they had that power to control the visions of of so many people all at once so i I'd be really curious to see sometime in the future, um, you know, if we how would the Telosians interact with other telepathic capable species mm-hmm. like Betazoids or, you know, and such, uh, you know, would it have the same effect? Would it be amplified? Would it be muted because they mm-hmm. can, can see through it? You know, I'm curious to see how that would play out. I know we're not going to obviously see that sure. in, in this series. But their their effect is so powerful that Pike can feel Vina's face from possibly light years away. Yeah. That could just be him thinking that he can feel her, not not necessarily that she's like really there. I loved all of that moments when when he saw her reflection and had yes. that reaction. Mm-hmm. That was the most Pike I think that that Anson Mount delivered. <laughs> Anson Mount hit peak Pike right then. <laughs> <laughs> peak Pike. But and I really like the actress, uh, Melissa George, who played Vina. Uh, she did a great job. And here's a little tidbit. This is what I read. In that preview where, you know, Vina talks, they actually had the actress for this episode, Melissa George, record some of those lines. And they layered her voice really subtly on top of Susan uh, Oliver. Yes. So. So they, they, they even went to that effect where they tried to blend the two together in the preview. And I only read that through like Trek core Trek movie. Like someone mentioned that, but, um, and the actress did too. Like she said in an interview that I read that, you know, they were, she re-recorded some of those lines so that they could do that. That is an attention to detail that they didn't have to do but did. That's pretty incredible too. I didn't know about that, but that is, that's pretty sweet. I loved everything with Michael and Spock. I love their brother, sister quipping back and forth. Oh yeah. Disagreement wise. That was fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I know like Aaron, I think it's in your dislikes or maybe unanswered question about, you know, Burnham's reason for like the big secret. It, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, Oh, great. He, she called him a half-breed, whatever. But them doing that scene, switching between the children actors and the adult actors, it was so powerful. I was I was crying. I was literally crying as it, as it was happening mm-hmm. because the the way you can you can tell how much it was hurting Spock. I mean, th- he was just a super young kid that yeah. that we're seeing. And sure, you know, we can think, oh, it's just you know, him getting called a name, whatever. But when you're on the precipice between logic and emotion in a way that wasn't really seen much on Vulcan and no one really knows how to deal with this, I think that broke him yeah, big yeah. time. And 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 he admitted it. He's like, well, that just pushed me to go full on into, into logic. And now he has this other break because of the uh, Red Angel and so that's why you kind of see the smirk and, and all that stuff, which uh, Spock smiled in the cage yes. with those flowers. Yep. So we're seeing a Spock that hasn't fully formed all of the logic that we'll see in the original series. And Vulcans, just by everything that we know, it's not that they 
aren't emotional. It's that they're so emotional that they had to go into logic. Yeah. So couple that with, you know, just human feelings. Like I think that half breed comment really cut deep and you could really feel that sense of emotion in the scene. And I, I was literally brought to tears. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, after watching it this morning, I removed that from my dislikes because I was like, mm, OK, I can I can see how that hurts. Well, it wasn't just so the name uh, that was right. just the nail in the coffin at that point, because that entire conversation was leading up to that. You know, oh, she, sure. she was breaking him down bit by bit by bit. And that half breed comment was just the, the slap in like the face. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't just that. It wasn't like she just like left and said, oh, bye, half breed. And he broke. No, there was <laughs> a whole like that, yeah. that build up. And it was that's why you know, I cried as well. The first time I watched, it, I was just like, no, that's no, don't say that to him. And, and but because you feel yeah. for her too because you know it reminded me of I don't, I don't know if either of you guys have watched breaking bad no ne- never seen it but there is a scene in that show in which, which brian cranston just acts so wonderfully where he's on the phone and he knows he's being tapped he knows that the police are listening to what he's saying and he's trying to separate himself from his wife and you know his illegal dealings and so he's saying just these nasty mean things to his wife and you can you can hear the meaning in his voice so he's sounding convincing to the people listening but you see on his face the the emotion of him trying to keep himself together while saying these nasty things to a person he loves and it reminded me of that this scene did because it was that same kind of the acting was just as good you know you see the both the child actor and Sonequa Martin Green both of them had that that look on their face of I can't believe I'm saying these things but I have to say them and keeping that just in their face and out of their voice and oh my gosh like that's what did it for me that's why it was just like Oh, yeah. um, just that that ability to to keep that separate. That is just amazing acting, and I loved it. Um, and then just just to kind of uh, round out uh, my likes, you know, I think it's really incredible that we've known Spock's character for over fifty years, and we're still learning things about his character, his past, his motivations. Mm-hmm. It's really an incredible thing that Discovery is doing by taking such a beloved character and not making it a gimmick this season. You know, even though in the beginning it was like, oh, Pike and Spock, the Enterprise. You know, I, I know some people were like, oh, God, like they have to mind that just to stay relevant. But the way that they're threading the past and the relationship with Michael Burnham, you know, there's no wonder Spock never really talked about her. Come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, hell, he didn't talk about Cybok until like, oh, yeah, he's my half brother. And (laughs) by the way. Yeah, yeah, by the way. But no, we actually see a reason why. and, And it's valid. And so I just think it's really incredible that. After over 50 years, we're still learning about Spock as a character. And I I think that's incredible. I think that goes to show the daunting task of playing a legendary character like that. And I think Ethan Peck has nailed it out of the park. I, I know his debut was last episode, but he was a, you know, incoherent mess. But this episode, he regains his sanity in a way all all of his jabs everything 
was logical. I, I loved it. I, I think he's a fantastic actor. I am so glad that him and Pike are, are back together on the bridge of the discovery. I think the, the rest of this season is just going to go way up from here. And I'm, I'm here for all of it. It was awesome. I agree. Definitely. That, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I've got a long list of likes, some of which we've already touched on. So I will try to go through them as quickly as possible. Obviously, that, that previously on was perfect for this episode. I mean, it was just bloody brilliant. I love that the admirals, as you talked about, were already treating Giorgio as if she's in charge. Like that shift in power mm-hmm. is already starting to happen. And seeing that fight between her and Leland, I said it before. I think that's going to be a very interesting battle of wills to see because we've seen plenty of fighting. You know, we've seen space battles and we've seen, you know, people fighting and all that. I think we're going to see a battle of wills here. And I think I'm on board for that. I think that's going to be amazing. I like that we're seeing again from Discovery a fairly accurate representation of mental illness. We have Spock in this mental break. He's got he's had a psychotic break, essentially, is what we would diagnose it as today, probably. And people, when they have these breaks, sometimes they're just completely gone. But a lot of times they do have lucid moments. They have a few seconds here or there where they're normal again or they're able to do something. Sometimes it can last days and people think, oh, my gosh, they're they're better. And then they're gone again. The fact that we see him just occasionally come out of it and be able to do something or say something, but then he's right back in it. I think it's a fairly accurate representation of that type of illness as, as much as they can in a sci-fi setting and the fact that we're dealing with a half alien, you know, but I, I appreciate that they're trying. Um, I love the updated singing plants. My favorite part, though, <laughs> was not just that they looked cooler and, you know, obviously we're not just silk flowers <laughs> like they were in the cage, but I absolutely loved the fact that when Michael touched it and it stopped singing and then let go and it started singing again, she smiled in almost the exact same way that mm-hmm. Spock did in the cage. And I, I love the fact that they both had that same exact reaction to those flowers. That that was beautiful to me. Freaking love Vina. Just everything about her, yeah. the way that she played that character, just you know what's transpired. The fact that even though it's only been a few years in real time, she says that she's lived a lifetime with Pike in her in her mind essentially so it's very interesting to wonder how is time passing in the illusion that she's in you know so i'm that's that's a curiosity that i have but the fact that she said that but yeah just the way she plays that the entire time was just was just great i loved the the fact that saru did allow tyler and hugh to have their fight while keeping close enough to step in like i said he was always there ready to stop it if it got too bad but he let it go to its natural conclusion where they were both just tired, exhausted, emotionally, just both emotionally defeated. And to the point where, you know, when you get to that line, when Hugh says, I don't know who I am anymore. And Tyler's, who do you think you're talking to? Like that connection, I think that's the bedrock for the, the possible forgiveness in the future that I think, like I said, Aaron, I agree is coming. That connection between them they they have more alike than they have dislike at this time but yes i completely understand Hugh's feelings right now and just that scene oh man uh oh, unbelievable well this storyline is absolutely breaking my heart for stamets and hugh i am very very glad that they're not 
treating his resurrection as some sort of magic bullet where everything's suddenly back to normal. Where he's just, hey, Hugh's back. Okay, good. And everything's normal again. That would have been a disappointing turn from the writers if they had done that. Like we had talked about before, it's like when we want to see characters, when they die, stay dead. Even if we like them, if you choose to kill a character, the emotional impact of killing that character is defeated if you just bring them back the next episode or even the next season in this case. They're not doing that in this case. We still feel like we lost Hugh. Stamets mm. still feels like he right. lost Hugh, especially in this episode. And you feel that mm. so powerfully because of the acting job between Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp. I mean, the two of them in those scenes together, it's – you see – like – last episode or the not the last episode but the last episode that we saw Culber and Stamets you saw Stamets was still on cloud nine just having Hugh back he hadn't realized that Hugh wasn't really back yet and we talked about that he's just now starting to realize that this isn't his Hugh fully and he's trying to you you can see the struggle of him trying to come to terms with that while obviously not wanting to he wants it to go back to normal he's like can't we just treat this as a miracle and go on and Culver's like, no, I'm I'm not that person anymore. And it's just, it's heartbreaking, but it's wonderful storytelling. Yes. Um, so like, well, I'm like, oh, come on, let them be together. But at the same time, I'm like, this is amazing writing and amazing acting. And I wouldn't miss it for anything. Um, speaking of that, the acting in this episode, start to finish, pretty much every major player involved just killed it in this episode. I mean, a frickin' clinic on acting was put on in this episode. Everybody was just full-on emotional performances from everybody. I mean, we, Anson Mount, Anthony Rapp, Wilson Cruz, Cindy Martin Green, uh, Ethan Peck, they all just nailed it in this episode, and it just makes you feel every bit of the story. Oh, it's fantastic. I can't, I can't say enough about the acting in this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that we did finally see what Michael did to Spock, and I loved the direction and writing of that mm. scene with the flashing back and forth between the child versions and the adult versions, seamlessly going back and forth, and the, just the emotion. I mean, even the child actors were able to put that same emotion into their performances. It was... A beautiful scene while also, again, being heartbreaking. I mean, that was yet another scene <laughs> in this show where I was like, no, come on. There were so many scenes that either had me in tears or on the verge of tears because of this. It was just uh, just beautiful. Uh, we do see the, the rivalry between Spock and Michael is amazing. I like the fact that without her intending it, or him desiring it, when he is around her, his human side comes out. He doesn't, oh, and, and yeah. that's, I think, why he doesn't like her. That's why he continues to dislike her, even though he admitted that what she did was logical to him. He admitted that, no, you, the choice you made was logical at the time. I understand why you made the choice. I still hate you, but <laughs> I understand. But but he admits that it was logical, and you'd think for a Vulcan that would be enough, you know? He'd be like, "Oh, you know what? It was a logical decision. I forgive you." No, he's like, "No, f that. I still hate you." And I think it's because whenever she's around, his humanity comes to the forefront, and he's been trying so hard since that day to push the humanity away that mm -hmm. when she brings it out, it infuriates him. And that makes it even worse because now he's feeling another emotion. <laughs> and so I think that's the reason why he is still so angry with her is because she makes him remember his humanity. Um, I just, uh, I, I 
oof, I can't I can't say enough about how they portray that. It's just so so wonderful. Speaking of rivalries, Pike and Tyler, their relationship, while still being strained, they seem to be making some progress towards a better working relationship. Up mm-hmm. until the point where they think that Tyler is sending these messages off the ship and uh, damaged the spore drive on purpose to keep them from from leaving or from going to Talos. You see that, and the fact that Pike is willing to believe that it's not necessarily Tyler doing anything on purpose. Like maybe he's been implanted with directions to do something and that's why they haven't been able to you know, do what they're supposed to be doing. But the fact that he is willing to accept, like, I think in the first couple of episodes we saw them interacting, he wouldn't have had any doubt whatsoever that Tyler was just doing it because he, he wanted to. Now he's gotten to that point where he trusts Tyler just enough to believe that he might not be doing it of his own accord. Um, I love that they confirmed my theory from previous episodes that Giorgio is providing Section 31 with information regarding Terran technology. We had theorized before that some of the things that Section 31 was using might be Terran-inspired now that Giorgio's on board. When they straight up said they were using Terran mind-ripping technology or whatever, I'm like, okay, so they've confirmed 100%, as far as I'm concerned, that Giorgio is providing them with information regarding Terran technology, and Section 31 is, is using this, which makes them even more like, okay, you guys need to calm down, because <laughs> there's no great... I'd even catch that until you mentioned it. Yeah, I, I know that they were using the, the Terran technology because they, they mentioned it, but yeah, I mean, going back to all the stuff that uh, Giorgio was using, yeah. it, it's, it's pretty incredible, and I wonder if the communicator badge even was at you know, section 31 or, or was that a Terran thing too? Yeah, it's, it's, we have to wonder how many of these advancements that we see section 31 have came from Giorgio and, you know, essentially the Terran universe. Um, it's very, very, very interesting. And I like, like I said, we had theorized about it before, but it had never been confirmed on screen in this episode. They confirmed it. So I'm like, yay, we were right. Um, have I mentioned <laughs> Wilson Cruz's acting in this episode? I don't know if I have, but if I have, <laughs> I feel it bears repeating because holy crap, um, like everybody killed it. But Wilson Cruz's performance specifically in this episode, start to finish every scene that he's in, even though it, it's so amazing how much emotion he can make you feel while showing you that he's not feeling the emotions that he should be feeling. And it's just uh, just that that whole that whole scene between him and Stamets and then between him and Tyler and just everything about his performance in this episode was amazing. Kudos to him, and I am so glad they brought him back because he just ups the already very high level of acting on this show to a, a whole other level. And finally, on my likes list for today, goodbye, Spock. <laughs> Oh, I loved it. It was it was definitely like a predictable twist. Like I I, I saw that kind of coming from a mile away. But how they played it off was still really great. Yeah, I just love that line. I mean, you know, playing oh, yeah. play the whole because uh, it reminds me. You know, obviously it's based on the whole "Say goodnight, Gracie." And uh, in Next Gen, we see them do it to Data, which <laughs> I found out that like. Uh, I, I think that's uh, what they call an anachronism because I don't think that ever happened on, on George and Gracie. Like I read a thing that that wasn't actually ever said. It's kind of like the beam me up Scotty of old television. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, like I said, they've, they've done it with data and now they've oh, yeah. it with Spock. I, I love that, that continuity of kind of 
kind of it's it's like an inside joke almost. Yeah, yes, the the whole this is going to be an illusion and they don't actually have Spock and Michael. I saw that coming too and I was like, yeah, I bet this is what's going to happen. But that line was just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. All right. So, now our dislikes fairly short list. I just have two major dislikes. Okay, uh, they're freaking searching the debris field right back on Kaminar. What the F? They, they, they warp out to get away the thing. We got no mention of, oh, whew, thank God Kaminar is safe as we search this debris field. Like, none of that. I hated it. My God, guys, get it together. <laughs> I, I didn't even... For the little details. I didn't even catch that they slips. did not mention Kaminar at all, even though they were searching the debris field. They, good catch. I didn't catch it with everything else going on in this episode. But yeah, you're right. They... Uh, a mention of the fact that hey the planet's still there <laughs> yeah so seriously so, something my only other dislike and it, it's not it's not completely taking me out of the episode or anything but there seems and i've seen a lot of people comment this um there seems to be a lot of confusion regarding the timeline for this whole burnham spock thing because Burnham ran away, the Red Angel came to him in a dream, and now she's running away from another thing. And I think I think that's after, you know, she was bombed by the logic extremists. Mm. But because they're using the same child actors and, you know, they're showing the same shots like, okay, she ran away twice. I know it's two separate events, but... Uh, it, it seems to be confusing other people. I, I wish they would make that more clear on the show that those were two separate instances mm-hmm. because why would he be so frantic in telling Sarah and Amanda that Burnham was in trouble like after the events of this kind right. of a thing. Right. So I think, I think that happened first and it's not, it's not a dislike, but I'll move this into my light category. What if part of the timeline that we saw was Michael Burnham actually getting killed? Like what if, (laughs) what if the red angel is setting our timeline to the one that we know in the prime universe? Cause they keep saying that, you know, this is the prime universe. That's something to think about. I think that's an unanswered question, but my biggest hang up was we're jumping around a lot in their past when they do these flashbacks, Mm -hmm. but because she's running away at night both times, because, you know, the actors are the same. They didn't, like, get a couple more child actors who may have been slightly older kind of a thing. And so I can see how that's causing some confusion between uh, maybe casual viewers or whatever. I think it's just their uh, attempt to make us feel a little bit of Spock's disassociation with time. Ooh. <laughs> that, that is a good excuse. <laughs> Which is exactly what it is, but yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, really, that's that's really the only dislikes that I have. Mm. Overall, this, I mean, those are minor compared to just the fantastic episode that we got. That was not only an homage to the original series, but my God, the, the fact that we know Pike's final outcome mm. and how this episode connects with that. It's simply incredible. So I, I th- those were minor quibbles that I had versus how much I love this episode. Right. And I think valid and not necessarily a dislike and more of like a react, a fan reaction to the episode. Right. Mm-hmm. I can see that. My dislikes, Pike calls Section 31 a division of Starfleet. That might explain why they're so avert right now in the series, uh, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, I, I hear uh, you. Yeah, the the fact that there's actual Starfleet admirals that seem to be, you know, we were led to believe originally that they were control of Section 31, but now it seems more like there's some sort of AI that is telling the admirals what to do, and then they're transmitting the orders down to Section 31. So it's interesting that right now it's definitely tied to Starfleet, whereas we know in the future that it's going to be a, a separate entity that is almost completely autonomous of Starfleet. So, mm-hmm. and, But right now, it's like everybody mm. knows about it. There's actual admirals of Starfleet involved in the decision-making processes. So, It I, actually keeps up the Star Trek condition of, of bad admirals. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's very true. It's a requirement of Admiralty to uh, be insane. That's just that's just the way it works. Indeed. Next, uh, Spock seemed fairly lucid in the medical facility, at least in in his re- in the recreation of it, and he was able to coordinate an escape. I know how how you said Dewey. How when people are in this kind of condition, they have moments of lucidity. But by well, the remember. Time- Remember that Spock admitted himself mm-hmm. on his own will. Right, right. So, but I was, I was thinking that maybe he was given treatments at the facility that was making him lucid. And as he was, you know, a fugitive because he wasn't receiving treatments, he started to regress. Well, the the emeralds mentioned his treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. possible that he was receiving either medications or some sort of treatments that were keeping him a little bit more together. And then, yeah, when he left the facility, obviously those treatments would stop and breakdown would become more pronounced. Mm-hmm. So I just wish uh, it was explored a little bit more like what mm-hmm. was happening at the facility. But yeah, that's just a minor minor thing. We have Spock seem to want to hurt Michael by saying that it was a mistake to have idolized her as a youth, and I thought that was very human of him to do. And finally, I don't like how they're referring to Saru's evolution as if it was, you know, an evolution. I see it more as him going through puberty. Right. Eventually, every Kelpian would have gone through this naturally if they didn't accelerate it. Yeah, so that's a valid it's point. Weird. It's, it's not really technically an evolution of a species because it is their that's that's how they are if they don't get it killed was just before being suppressed. it. Yeah, so I, I can understand that. I, I don't mind them calling it that because that's how they're seeing it as as a change, but. I can understand your your gripe with that. See, I had to find something I didn't like. So I'm fishing (laughs) for things that I was like, you know what? I'm going to mention this because I need a dislike, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's fair. (laughs) There's very little to not like about this episode. Let's be clear. (laughs) Yeah, I I have a very short dislikes list, and they're mostly picking nits as well. So. All right. Well. Go ahead, sir. Uh, Well, the fact that Discovery and the Section 31 ship visit Talos... And in the Menagerie, it was stated specifically that the Enterprise was the only starship ever to visit Talos IV. So I don't like that little bit of continuity that they're forgetting. Mm. I, I think that they maybe should Unless have. This is all classified. <laughs> I mean, it, but the whole thing about yeah, yeah, yeah about Talos was classified to begin with. Even the the part that they read in the Menagerie, he had to have that special magnet unlocker thing to even open the file to to read about the fact that the Enterprise was the only starship to ever visit Talos 4. So maybe... I, I, I don't know. It's Maybe they just meant that that was the only starship that visited and 
had an away team because technically the people that went on to Talos Four were on the shuttle. They didn't from the ships. I I don't know, but the fact that <laughs> the fact that they're being so good about other continuity things, and then this, you know, especially since they're bringing clips from the cage in, the fact that they're forgetting about this other stuff from the menagerie. It's like, well, you know, you can't use one and then not use the other unless you explain it somehow. So I hope that they do explain it somehow. Minor gripe, but you know, like I said, picking nits here. I do have one possible explanation that kind of goes with Eric Berry's explanation for the timeline is going to end up changing because of the Red Angel. So maybe they never actually went to Talos for uh, bomb, bomb, bomb. Um, Just an idea. Yeah, it's it's possible. You know, when you're when you're dealing with time travel, they can make a lot of things happen. They can they can use that magic bullet if they need to later on. Um, I hope they don't overuse it. But uh, yeah, like I said, picking nits here. I think, Mr. Barry, you had pointed out before they they reuse sets and uh, locations quite often. I thought that this was a pretty obvious reuse of the location where they filmed. Yes. Harlack, the, where the resistance base was located in the mirror universe. I didn't like that, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, tell, why does Talos 4 look like Harlack? Like when she first gets out of the shuttle, I'm like, wait, but this is where the, no, the resistance base wasn't on Talos. Wait. And I'm like, I had to think about it. I'm like, wait a minute, what did they call that planet? Because it wasn't Talos. Like, what the, what's going on here? So if you're going to reuse sets, you need to do more than just add a couple of singing plants to make it different, <laughs> you know? So, and then my final dislike, and this is probably the only big one, I think is uh, Giorgio, we're finally starting to want to root for her. <laughs> we want her to win. We want her to beat Leland. But then she just, you know, makes casual references to her previous genocides. And uh, we're forced to remember that she is literally Hitler. And we should not be rooting for her at all. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, God, why'd you have to say that, Giorgio? We were just starting to like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Captain Giorgio, literally Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> That should be a T-shirt. <laughs> like, we know she obliterated the Klingon homeworld in her universe, but then now she's, like, reminding us. She's like, yeah, the Telosians tried that crap with me, and I just blew their planet up. I'm like, oh. Maybe she but- thinks she blew it up. Ooh. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's it for my uh, dislikes. Like I said, little tiny things did not distract me. It took me four watchings to find those things to dislike about it. So, Dang, four watchings. Man. Yeah, I watched it three twice. times. I watched it three times yesterday. I, I, I did it twice. The second one was sped through for key points. I watched it three times yesterday because I, I worked yesterday. So I watched it before work on the TV, you know, focused, watching it. And then I, when I, when I got to work, like the first thing I did, it was put it on again and, and basically listen to it. And then later in the evening, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to watch it again and just turn it back on again. And then I watched it again this morning to make final notes. So Very nice. I mean, it was definitely an episode worth rewatching. Oh, yeah. So that's cool. Let's move on to unanswered questions. So who or what is Ariam communicating with? Oh, I have a theory. I think it's those things from the future. <laughs> well, yeah, but what well, one are of those? They? <laughs> the Borg. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh no! Please no. <laughs> Feature. No. Um, double please no. <laughs> uh, next, why are Spock and Michael vital to the Red Angel in saving the galaxy? That actually could be a dislike. Like, why the hell does everything center around Michael Burnham mm. in this universe? <laughs> 
that's true. Well, I think it's uh, very possible that it leads into your theory of maybe by the end of this series or season, maybe we do see Michael die in one version of the timeline, and that's why we don't hear about her in the future. So maybe that's why she's integral in this particular timeline because she has to die in order to set it right. Mm. Oh, that'd be a tragic backstory. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing out possible ideas. Again, right. no no real answers to these questions. That's why they're unanswered. So hopefully we'll find out. Mr. Barry, did you have uh, something you wanted to uh, get in there? No, I mean, it, I, I have all the same questions that, that you guys do. I, I really wonder how they're going to kind of end this this arc. It's really cool that you know we're learning more about the red angel and that it's an actual person with motivations and i don't know it's maybe it's the enterprise geek in me but i kind of want this to uh tie into the temporal cold war somehow Mm. i don't know yeah i think that'd be sweet that would be that would be interesting I, i could see that some unanswered questions that i still have it's still a little unclear whether or not general order seven is actually in effect or not. It is stated that it's restricted space, but it's not specifically stated that it's a general order or anything about the death penalty. So as we talked about before, it's possible that we're going to be revisiting Talos and something else is going to happen that causes General Order 7 to to be so firm, whereas I, right now it's just, oh, don't go there. But I, it's going I, to be bigger now. <laughs> I do have a possible theory. Mm-hmm. What if General Order 7 is a Talosian illusion? Oh, man. <laughs> and that's just a way for them to keep people from going there. Oh, like they, um, when they approach the planets, like, oh, right, that whole general order that we have. Right. Oh, that's that's interesting. That, that would be kind of crazy if they could alter computer records or anytime someone in the galaxy Googles Talos 4. <laughs> <laughs> like, <that it's laughs> like, I'm sure it is restricted, but I think... You know what? That, that actually is a really good point, because if you think back to the menagerie, crazy. they reveal because at the M- end... Mendez was an illusion. Yeah, yeah. The Admiral himself was an illusion, so maybe that whole file with the... Enter- that would that would put to rest my complaint about the file saying that the Enterprise was the only ship to go there, if that file and that Admiral were an illusion from the very beginning. We know he's an illusion on the ship. If he was an illusion from the very beginning... Oh, man. My my mind just blew. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Wow. Okay. Well, that, that could be interesting. I wonder if they'll go there. That's okay. All right. Good thinking. Good thinking. I like it. Great idea. <laughs> it actually, it, Are that you works. a Star Trek writer? <laughs> Man, they should hire us to write, but that's a, a discussion for another day. <laughs> What's funny is we could write an episode, have it air, have it put on there, and I guarantee you we would still we, find ways to complain about ourselves. Another unanswered question I have is, why can't they find any pieces of the probe? Is it because hacked Arium is preventing them from finding them? Mm -hmm. Because they do hint towards that when they say, it's weird, we can't find any pieces of the probe. And they show Arium like there, Mm -hmm. kind of a foreshadowing. But Or is it because after the time rift exploded, did all of the future bits go back to the future? That's my working theory, honestly. I think they've tried too Uh hard to point at Arium right then to make it. I think that those part those are just gone. I think all of the future tech went away when the tsunami did its thing. Another question. This is it's it's an unanswered question slash theory, but it's not really a theory of the future. I don't know. But here's my thinking. We know almost for sure that Arium's the one sending the transmissions. 
and that she's spoofing Tyler's codes to do it to throw suspicion off of herself. And it's the perfect, he's the perfect scapegoat. You know, nobody's going to question a Section 31 guy sending clandestine transmissions off of the ship. They're going to be like, yeah, he definitely did it. But I think that it still might have been Tyler who actually sabotaged the spore drive. Because if it was Arium, what was the purpose of sabotaging the spore drive? She well, didn't Arium stop them from getting the where they were going. the spore drive control officer. Yeah, but what was the purpose of disabling the spore drive? Because she didn't stop them from getting to Talos in the end. If she was trying to prevent them from getting to Talos, if that was her mission, she could have disabled the warp drive. She could have done other things to prevent them from getting there. But all she mm. did was disable the spore drive. Or was that Tyler acting under orders from Section 31 to disable the spore drive so they couldn't jump away? You know, if they get because what they could easily do in theory, if they find Michael and Spock first, they get them. Then they jump out to the Delta Quadrant or the Gamma Quadrant or somewhere far, far away where no other ship can possibly reach them. And they've effectively escaped. You know, so it would make sense for Section 31 to want to disable the spore drive specifically while leaving them warp capable. It wouldn't make sense, I think, for Arium to disable the spore drive, but leave them warp capable for this episode. So I think we're going to find that Tyler and or Section 31 somehow was the sabotaging force behind the spore drive, even though Arium's the one doing the transmissions, sending information to someone or something or somewhere or somewhen. We don't know. All right. And my final unanswered question in this might be more of a theory than a than an unanswered question, but who knows? Uh, we do know that Red Angel was confirmed to be human in this episode. However, that does not rule out the possibility of it still being Arium, as we theorized previously, mm. uh, because Arium was confirmed to be an augmented human. So it's possible that her augments are upgraded over time, and in the future, those augments are now this Red Angel suit. That's it for right now. I mean, there's tons of unanswered questions, but those are the ones I wanted to bring up right now. Definitely. Uh um, I have no idea who the Red Angel would be. I thought it was the AI from Discovery's future, but if it's if it is a human, which we don't know, well, Spock thinks it's a human. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's uh, they they're keeping us guessing, which is good. It's unlike, less predictable than last season. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah, some aspects, most definitely. So, won't we? Uh, we let's jump into scores. You guys went off the rails again. <laughs> a little. <laughs> But, but that's okay. So I'm giving it a captain, my highest rank to date, four pips. I mean, realistically, if we're going off our scale, I would also be a four pip captain. But I'm calling this the president of the Federation, Infinity Pips. <laughs> <laughs> I don't entirely disagree with you, but since you already took that, I'm just going to go ahead and stick within the ranking system at least. Not not our ranking system, which I've never really stuck to to begin with, but <laughs> I'm giving this one a full admiral, which I don't, I don't know, would that be seven, eight pips, something like that? Um, yeah, it was just a fantastic episode, and I literally could not stop gushing about it. I, I have been telling so many people to watch Trek more even so because of this episode than any other single episode. I've been nice. reaching out to people that I know that like, hey, have you been watching have you been watching Discovery? Have you you know, I'm talking to people, people have commented on my posts on Facebook and stuff. They're like, yeah, I want to check out Discovery, but I don't want to pay for CBS. I'm like, no, use the free trial, binge the first season, then make your decision. I don't care, but watch it. You know, it's like just you got to watch this. This is so good. I want more people to see it. So I, this episode especially was one that, that was a catalyst for me reaching out to people that I hadn't previously to see if they were watching and to employ them to watch if they aren't. Uh, me, me talking about it on Twitter has definitely got a few people into watching it. So Awesome. Nice. 
Yeah, I'm I'm happy for that because I think this season in particular, if you're a fan of Spock like we all are, it's it's such a fantastic season. But if you're listening to this and haven't watched anything, what are you even doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank you. Thank you for listening to our voices. But man, we've spoiled so much for you. Yeah, I don't know why anybody would be listening <laughs> who hadn't seen the episode. I mean, we try to make it pretty clear that these episodes do have spoilers in them. So hopefully nobody's like surprised when we give away plot points. But <laughs> that would be that would be interesting. Like, I don't yeah. need to watch it. I'll just listen to Starfleet Escape podcast and I'll get the story that way. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't need, I don't need to watch it. Let's just <laughs> listen to these guys talk about it. <laughs> uh, predictions for episode nine and beyond. Oh, man, I, I don't even know. <laughs> the preview has me interested why they're going to a Section 31 facility. I'm curious why Cornwell is there. I'm glad that she's there because she's awesome. Um, so I think this next episode will be a get down to the BS of Section 31 and figure out what they're doing. And it's called Project Dataless, which was a cool name. Uh, it sounds very techy. It's going to be directed by Jonathan Frakes. Ooh. And it's written by Michelle Paradise, who will be co-producing season three, as oh, we yeah. found yeah. out. Yeah, so co-showrunner of season three. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a, a really hard hitting team. You know, I like me some Jonathan Frakes direction. So I think this next episode is going to be fantastic. I just don't know what what the big mystery is. So, I mean, we've got the Red Angel. We've got whatever section 31 is doing. My prediction is that we might actually find out what control is in the next episode, because that space station looked pretty heavily guarded. Yeah. <laughs> With the saw mines or whatever, blade mines. Yeah. Um, this antimatter who cares about antimatter <laughs> let's just rip through with the saw my prediction spock mind melds with arium to break the hack Ooh, because he has mind melded with computers before yeah, yeah and, and she's human so well yeah but ooh, and what if when he does that <gasps> he discovers that she's going to become the red angel but can't tell anybody because it would mess up the timelines oh there's um, so many possibilities <laughs> with this show. I know and, that's what's so great. It's uh, oh. it's it's wide open right now. So yeah, my my predictions for episode nine is just awesomeness, honestly, because we d <laughs> we didn't really get any story points from right, the preview. Right. We we see some action. We see them going through a minefield trying to get to a section thirty one base, which they some they obviously get through because Cornwell welcomes them to section 31. So we're going to see that. So it's going to be some cool space scenes for sure. We see Arium going insane and choking out Michael. So we know we're going to see some fights um, yeah. and we're going to, yeah. you know, they're going to find out that Arium is doing things. So we're going to find out about that. But I predict that with the team behind it and the team that we've got in front of the camera right now with the acting ability that we've got on this show, I think it's just going to be an awesome episode. As for my predictions for beyond, I have a feeling that we might see Tyler leave Section 31, either at the end of this season or at some point this season, because we've already seen hints of him not really being fully invested. He, he, he thinks he can contribute. That's that's all. He's not like, I think Section 31 is doing the right thing. He's like, I think I can, I feel more like I fit in here than anywhere else. But I think that possibly with the help of you, 
and some forgiveness and some moving on of all that business that holding we might see. Holding hands through a meadow. <laughs> they might end up <laughs> holding hands and skipping through a meadow. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I, I think we might see Tyler leave Section 31 and rejoin Starfleet proper. I dig it. I, I, want, I, the, I want them to kiss again. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler and Tyler and Burnham. Oh, get back together. Okay. Yeah. No. That's uh, that's that'd be good as well. Yeah, I would. I would be happy to see them back together. Although I'm much more invested in seeing Hugh and uh, Culber mm. get back together. Oh yeah. Like I, I yeah. need that relationship for my own sanity. I need that relationship to be repaired somehow because they're just too good together. Like the and because they were together for so long before we see the events of season one. And you know the the Michael and Tyler thing is is new and you know more easily discarded i think i would like to see it but uh, i'd rather see the other one first because i think that's a much deeper relationship and uh, it would be more impactful to see that repaired yeah i agree and it kind of hammers home the fact that they need counselors or at least <laughs> a bartender on board yeah we, there was we a need program starfleet yeah. come well, on guidance around finder yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> true mr barry yes if we were to look for you on the internet how would we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TrekkieB47. You can find my other podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. That's all about Power Rangers. And that's Ranger Command Power Hour and Ranger Command PH. And check out all of the amazing shows on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Very nice, sir. Mr. Dewey, how would we find you? Well, first you'd uh, open up your AOL, dial in, throw up a Netscape, and uh, (laughs) type into AltaVista at Eric J. Dewey, and you will find uh, my Twitter, my Instagram, and my Untapped uh, very easily. And And your uh, GeoCity. Yeah, and and my uh, GeoCities and my Angel Fire pages. Um, (laughs) Yes, you'll find all of that goodness out there. As Eric said, follow the 4-Eyed Radio Network. We're on Twitter at the Sasquatch Net. And we're on Instagram at Four-Eyed Radio Network and on Facebook at Four-Eyed Radio Network. So do it. Very good. Uh, you can find me on most social media platforms at Nova Charter. You can also find the podcast at SF Escape Pod. Find us on iTunes. Give us some reviews. We'd really appreciate it. And until next time, live long and prosper. Goodbye, Say goodbye Spock. <laughs> You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on facebook.com slash sfescapepod.